0: I just went traveling for the sake of it, so it was it give me a new experience as well. Just being living for the day rather than planning for tomorrow all the time. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget to live for today. This is this is life now. Enjoy it today because tomorrow your destination may never come. You know?
1: things if you are willing to put in the work welcome to another inspiring episode of podcast with Sheila the podcast that is spreading positivity around the world by sharing inspiring life experiences he wrote the Sahara Desert traveled through Africa to Cape Town and other places on Emoto Ghazi 42 years ago now at age 64 he is planning on completing this journey Chris Donaldson will be sharing with us today his life experiences, lessons, and other stories as we go on. As usual, we aim to motivate, inform, and inspire you. Hello, Chris, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Hi,
0: Sheila.
1: Lovely to meet you, Chris. So in brief, who is Chris? Where does he come from? Just a basic background story, just so that our audience get to know who our guest is for today.
0: Well, I'm Chris Donaldson. I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. I'm 65, I think. I'm at that age, I can't remember anymore. And I've lived here on and off for almost of my life. But uh, I was brought up in the 70s in Belfast, and it was a pretty rough uh, station to be in. There was uh, bombs going off and uh, people getting shot all around the place. So when I was 21, I decided to go to Australia, and for some reason uh, decided to do it on, on a motorbike. Um, but it's a long story, I never actually got there because the, uh, I set off and then the, um, the Islamic Revolution took off in Iran, blocked blocked the road to the east, so I ended up going everywhere else in the world, apart from Australia, ended up in Argentina on a basis after riding down through Africa, sailing up in a yacht back to Europe, driving around the States, Canada, and then down to South America. Um, so I came back and resumed normal life for 40 years and um, I wrote a book about my travels called Going the Wrong Way.
1: What was life like growing up? Just before we get into the story proper, take us to life as young Chris. What was it like growing up?
0: Well, it wasn't bad at the time. Anyway, I thought it wasn't bad because I lived in a nice part of Belfast. But this is how the troubles were going on. We went to school in the center of town and you could see bombs going off. We would have to get out of school sometimes, friends got shot. Or so there was uh, There's a lot of bother about it. it was, uh, but being a teenager, it's only when you get older that you realize that life shouldn't be like this. Uh, so I, I think kids have great resilience. They don't, they don't um, get through things basically because they don't know any better. <laughs> Yeah. It's only when you learn what's going on elsewhere in the world you realize, hang on, this shouldn't be like this, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how did growing up in Belfast affect your life? Did it affect it? Do you think it affected it positively or negatively?
0: I think it affected me positively. I think um, seeing that people, trouble, trouble going on and people working to alleviate problems and to to get around the problems helped me. Later on in life, whenever I ran into problems in my own life, I realized that um, you can either fall back with the, with, the, with the block, with the problem, and stop, or else you can find a way around it. And I realized that the only way is forward, the only way is to find your way around it.
1: Great. What informed you, or what made, what made you make the decision to travel around the world um, 42 years ago on a bike?
0: Well, I think it was really just to get out of Belfast at that stage. <laughs> I was 21 and realized the rest of the world wasn't like this, and Australia was the uh, land of opportunity. So I wanted to go there and get a job and work there for a while and see what happens. Um, as it turned out, I came back after a year and a half and spent my life working life in Belfast. But it was very much a sort of... 21s, a very much a coming-of-age time in your life when you're so changing from teenager to manhood. And... It was a very, uh, very eventful period.
1: Why did you decide to do it on a bike? Why not go by plane or by some other means, but on a bike?
0: I think I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to um, experience a bit of the world, not just fly in, fly out sort of thing. Um, I wanted to see what the difference was between the, the countries in the world and experience some of the the other places but I wanted to challenge myself and give myself a you're on a motorbike, you're on your own, you can't take friends and family with you. I wanted to be on my own and learn about myself and uh, put myself through what needed to be done. I didn't realize that at the time but looking back on it I can see that now, that it was a challenge that I wanted
1: yeah I totally agree with you. I think quite recently, a group of Ghanaians have traveled from Ghana to England by road, and it was something they had done to challenge themselves. When I first saw the headlines of the story, I felt oh I wasn't too interested about this because I thought it was a kind of a story kind of thing until later on, I dealt right into the story and realized these were adventurous people. These are people who like to travel. They're a group of friends who travel around Africa a lot. And I think according to them, the last time they had done that was to go to um, Cape Town, travel from Ghana to Cape Town by road. And then when they got to Cape Town, they said if they've been able to do it to Cape Town, then they'll see if they can do it to England. So they got here, I think on Sunday, 10 a.m. So they had spent 16 days on the road from ghana to um, landed and when i heard the story behind it and the reason why they did that i was really really impressed and i think that sometimes when we ach- we challenge ourselves to some of these things it brings out the best in us and we don't know what we are capable of until we've done some of these things and that was why i wanted to know why you 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 decided to go yeah. by bike and not by plane and i totally agree with you that it gives you a time to yourself to explore the world on your own without any distractions as you go on is there anything else you'd like to add to it
0: yeah i think just to follow on now this was the reason i called my book going the wrong way is i ended up in argentina rather than australia but it was also um a lifestyle as well yeah you know sometimes going the, the wrong way the hard way is much more challenging much more uh fruitful much more um much more pleasurable in the long run you know yeah
1: were there any lessons you learned on this journey being alone
0: um, well, lots, I suppose, and lots and little I learnt, uh, make a bit better to plan things and not. I ended up, uh, although I ended up um, travelling down Africa without any knowledge about Africa at all. In those days, you, you couldn't just go to your information; you had to get you had a guidebook, and I didn't have any. All my guidebooks were for Asia, so um, I travelled a lot uh, without knowing what the next country was and what the next town was which was difficult in a way, because you would, there would be hardships and problems from, from that, but in a way it was pleasurable too, because you got the experience of uh, traveling for the sake of traveling. Usually when you're traveling somewhere, you travel to get somewhere, and there's a destination in mind. But uh, as the, the way the world happened at that stage, I just went traveling for the sake of it, so it was a, it gave me a new experience as well, just being living for the day rather than planning for tomorrow all the time. I think a lot of people forget to live for today. This is this is life now. Enjoy it today because tomorrow your destination may never come, you
1: know. I like that. Tomorrow your destination may never come. So live for today. Live your best life for today. Why do you want to complete this journey at this age? Because it's been years down the line since you did the journey and you're trying to do it again. Why are you trying to do it again?
0: Well, I just actually completed it there early in, early in the year. I got to Australia Um I suppose of being bloody minded, I suppose, way, <laughs> yeah. I wrote the, wrote the book um, about the travel tra- travels and um, I got on, that, it's on Amazon, a couple of friends read it and they said, well, you never actually got to Australia, why not to give it another go? <laughs> so I, I still had the same motorbike, which is now 45 years old, so I thought, well, I'm going to go to Australia, try and do the trip, I'll do it on the same bike. So we set off a year and a half ago and I did it. Again, I couldn't afford the time or the money to go all in one go, so we did it in two week stages. And with that, Belfast well, went to Athens, and then Israel, and then back to Athens, and then Dubai, Pakistan, India, Nepal—all different two or three-week stages. So it took me a year and a half to get there. Um, I think the first ship was a sort of coming-of-age story. This has been like a coming-of-old-age. Yeah, because I, I was sixty-five and sort of at the end of my working life, so it's, uh, I wanted to, again, try challenge myself to see if I could still do what I did when I was 21. Yeah, that, was, still, uh, that was exactly the I question
1: I was coming to because you are no more 21 and you're much older now, so have you considered all of that and this time around, do you have your journey properly planned, because like you said earlier time, it wasn't properly planned, you didn't know where you were when you got to some parts of the journey. Do you know exactly where you're going to be properly planned? out now
0: yeah well pretty much maybe you can find all your information on Google you could get your hotels on booking.com or Airbnb or um, you just dial in the city and it'll tell you where it is and your GPS Um, but there's still the world's a strange place and still things that's happened I plan to go from Israel into Jordan and through to Saudi Arabia that way but we got to the israel jordan border and they wouldn't let me through so i had to go back again and go by turkey and iran yeah so the the beauty and the the pain and the pleasure of traveling in the third world especially is that you don't know what's going to happen next yeah no matter how you plan but that's part of the fun of it
1: i like it when people take a risk and all that would you say that traveling by this way is more expensive than going by air comparatively which one is expensive
0: well it's, it's it's so different it's hard to 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 compare because you go by air you're traveling as i say just to get to the destination whereas you go by road you're traveling i suppose you're probably on, a, on the road for six or eight weeks so you probably spend more money because you're there a long time but uh traveling by air would be cheaper definitely
1: mm-hmm. wow Wow. And I think that another important point probably to raise also is when you go by road, you don't miss anything at all. You get to see everything in every country or town or city or whatever you go by. You get to actually experience the people because you can obviously stop for a while, interact, carry on, or things like that. I may be wrong, but from...
0: No, that's 100% right. People, the nice thing about being on a motorbike rather than in a car... In a car, yeah, you're in a box, but those people, you know, you're so separated from what's going on, whereas in a motorbike, you stop at the side of the road and people are there, they can come to talk to you. You're, you're in the scene, and uh, motorbikes, are, a lot of countries are quite unusual, so you, you can it's easier to make friends and uh, meet people as well. Yeah. So it's, it's a great way to do it.
1: So from this point, because you've traveled part of the world and you've been able to interact with people, can you tell us how different it was as you traveled around interacting with people from different countries, give us like a pictorial image of what it was like when you dealt with people from a particular country as compared to others? Well, people are all, no matter what
0: people say, people are all pretty good I believe. you do get some bad guys around the place and you have to be careful, but uh, I think generally people are good, it's the governments that are bad um, some of the countries i have had the best friendships from places like Sudan and Uganda, and this time Iran um, which countries that you would be hesitant about going to, um, from what you hear in the news, but when you get there the people are the most friendly people you would ever met um, I remember in Iran, coming through Iran, I had to stop for petrol. The petrol stations very often wouldn't take cash. You had to pay card and they wouldn't take my credit card. So I'd say to a guy, Can you give me $10 worth of petrol? And a couple of times the guy filled my tank and I would p- went to pay him the cash and he wouldn't take the cash. He just said, uh, Enjoy our country. On, on you go and have a good time, you know? So. Yeah. Um, People are very friendly and when you list expected. Of course just, petrol was only ten cents a litre, so it wasn't such a big deal for them, maybe. Will, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> totally a bit yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally
1: agree. I think that as I listened to the group that I had mentioned about um, the group that had left Ghana for England by road, I think some of the things they had said in the media when they were asked, um, what were some of the good things they had encountered on the road. I think they said what actually projected them more was um, football as a country. So when they got to certain places, people and they, because they had a Ghana flag on their cars, so people knew they were Ghanaians. And then they'll, they'll say they want to be sure they're from Ghana. They'll say, "Are you from Ghana?" They'll say, "Yes." Oh, because of Abedi Pele, because Abedi Pele used to be one of our footballers, and I think he flew our flags very high when he was on the football page. So people know him around, and for that reason, yeah. they said for that reason they would even get police escorts as they drive through. So I think these are some of the things, some some of the interesting things you don't get to experience where you are in in air, only when you're on land and going through some of these countries that you get to appreciate how people appreciate us as, as human beings or as a group of people or as a particular group of people. And those were some of the experiences I wanted to you to share with us. That's why I asked you. But I'm very ex- excited for the fact that I think all around the world, we do identify ourselves as the human race and no matter where we find ourselves everybody is willing to help you and that is really really something really positive to throw out today and to emphasize that we are all one people going forward and wherever we find ourselves if anybody needs help we should be able to help us so let's carry on um chris to why adventure before dementia
0: well uh, at uh, 65, quite a few of my friends have retired already and uh, sort of looking ahead to, to think that my time is coming as well. I'm still working, but um, I want to spend more time doing what I want to do. But when I look at some of the friends who have retired, they end up, they've been working for 40 years, 40 hours a week, um, and they end up doing very little. They end up work, working in the garden or digging the garden or maybe playing golf twice a week instead of once a week. And I sort of I started thinking, well, what, what was the point of working for 40 years to to do nothing, to just sit back and get old and lose your faculties? Um, so it's a bit of play on that. I so, thought uh, so there's no reason why you shouldn't, if you're fit and able to, um, get out and do what you want to do, do whatever you want to do when you were young. I think people lose the, the, learn, the yearning to learn about different things when they get older. They've, get more stayed and steadfast and set set in their ways and I feel that myself it's as you get older it's you lack the energy to get up and do something different but um, I wanted to show if you like that you can no matter what age you are you can still get up, your butt and do what you want to do you know yeah yeah Uh, so adventure for dementia it's like um, hopefully (laughs) you don't forget too much of what we're doing or doing it at this stage but um, I think it's important to, to to make use of your faculties too, because if you don't use your brain, if you don't use your your body, you know, it'll deteriorate um, the same way. So it's important to get out there.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I remember when my dad had come on pension, he said um, he wanted to start doing something um, else. He was going to die early. He said that he used to say that a lot. So he started a flower garden just to keep him going. You know, every time he yeah. wakes up to something, and then he has his His hands on doing something, and I think that really, really worked for him because it kept him alive for quite a long time, from the time he had come to pension till he was finally taken away. But I totally agree with you for those points you've raised, and I think that is the best thing to do. What is the strangest thing that has ever happened to you?
0: Um, On air,
1: (laughs) either on air, on land, wherever.
0: The strangest thing, um, well there's been one or two strangers, one of the strangest things I suppose in the first trip was that we um, met some people in Peru, mm. some students, um, and just took a few photographs and chatted with them for an hour and went on our way. Um, I got to Argentina, and I, I got sick with hepatitis and I was very Ill, like laid down on the bench in the train station when I got there just to get a, a nap and uh, Little I know, the girl had been showing her friends of, of her photographs the day before, and one of them recognised the bike and myself sitting in the Buenos Aires train station. Um, so she came over and picked me up and said, uh, you can stay with us and wine me and I me, looked after my bike and got, got me shipped home. It'd be a bit like somebody arriving in um, Houston station and running into somebody that they knew, mm. without any organisation. But the strangest thing was that a month later, a, f- a friend I'd been traveling with in Peru, a, a German guy, had also got to Buenos Aires, and he was sitting in the park in the middle of town. And lo no and behold, the same girl walked past and ended up putting him up for the week as well. So there's two coincidences, which are million to one, happened one after the other. It's mm-hmm. probably one of the strangest things in the trips.
1: Yeah, you can't. You can't. Sometimes you just can't. Um avoid some of these bad happenings but um thank you very much for sharing that with us and what is the funniest thing that has ever happened to you?
0: the funny thing is the uh when I got to Cape Town I got a job on a boat and he got uh, because the guy from Australia had hurt his leg I got his place on the boat and we cha- exchanged addresses and shook hands and said see maybe see in Ireland in the uk if you're going to go there and again, uh, two months later, I was driving down the street in Donegal. And uh, he was driving up the other direction, but the same guy. Mm. So we bumped into him and met up, had a few drinks and stayed friends ever since.
1: Did you make a lot of friends on your journey? Like when you went on the bike journey, did you make a lot of friends on that journey?
0: Yeah, I think if you make a friend when you're having a challenging time, mm. they're a friend for life. You know, you yeah. can spend a week with somebody... You can spend a year with somebody and never know them, but if you spend a week with somebody in a difficult time, whatever it is, it's much more important to you and much more ingrained in your brain. Uh, so I've met, um, since I wrote the book, as uh, various characters in it that I got in touch with again, and it's been quite touching to speak to somebody after 40 years because as you say they're the main part of our earning life our working life is gone so we met them before we started working again to meet them afterwards it's a, it's been quite emotional sometimes to meet meet guys that i haven't seen for 40 years and you sit down and have a beer with them and you get on with them same as we did 40 years ago without a break you know
1: yeah wow this is so interesting this this time around as you make your second journey will you be doing that alone or with someone else
0: well, as I say, it started a year, year and a half ago and it just, just finished just a couple of months ago. Um, I started off with the guy who had suggested that uh, we go, that i d- finally do to go to Australia. He said he'd come with me. It was his idea to go. And then we got to Athens and he decided he didn't like it anymore. So he came back. Oh. <laughs> so I ended, up, I ended up on my own after all.
1: Oh, so, so if I'm getting you right, has the second journey been done?
0: Yes, I just finished it oh yeah um, re- where you got off? from well, it was off my bio i probably haven't updated my bio yet because I only just got back a couple of months ago wow so it's all finished the bike and motorbike is now in a museum in, in melbourne in australia great
1: what what uh, what is the feedback you're getting from your motorbike um being displayed over there
0: well, I got a great reaction, Great, uh, had a couple of um, talks with people, motorbike circles are quite quite uh, sociable and uh, Australia especially, they were quite uh, amazed that I'd actually made it after 43 years, so I got a great reaction from the different guys, um, I think I've stayed in Australia for three weeks and I think i stayed in the hotel maybe two or three nights because everywhere you went, people want to pick you up and take you out for dinner and Make a fuss, so it was a great, yeah. great, uh, great hospitality.
1: Wow. Now that I know you've done the second journey already, can we compare the first journey to the second journey? What was the difference, like, as you made the second journey?
0: Well, obviously, I'm a lot older, and so, I mean, when I was 21, I could ride the motorbike all day and go out and party all night, whereas now I, I'd ride the motorbike all day and I would just want to go to bed with a cup of cocoa and go to sleep, you know? Yeah. Um, but I could still do it. Um, I suppose the main problem, probably the main thing has been the internet age has come in. Um, when roads are different, people are different, but the, the internet has made the world so much smaller, it's much easier to yeah. communicate. Yeah. Um, I think I, I drove, drove down Africa, it took me six months, and maybe rang home twice, two, three times, because it was so difficult to get a phone. this time you have your mobile, you can phone home on, on WhatsApp every night, and, to my wife and kids and stuff so you can keep constant communication you have the gps as so say you've got com. Mm-hmm. your uh, online information whatever you need to know it's all there so that's probably the biggest change in, in the world of have
1: so can we then say that the world has gotten better from the time you went on the first journey as compared to now because of the internet age
0: better? um it's got easier, lots of things have got easier. Well, it's better, it's another thing. It's whether the likes of Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. and social media make things better and I have not have two minds about that. Um, sometimes it's too easy to communicate because you're communicating to people that are supposed to be friends, but they're not friends at all. They're just people that are enough to know what's going on, you know? Yeah. yeah. So in a lot of ways, internet has helped a lot of things, but I think it's definitely definitely things that have uh, kids these days are losing out on because they're, I think the average person spends five hours a, a day on their, on their screens, which is five hours is a well, third of your waking life. Mm. waking day is stuck in a screen where you should be out speaking to people rather than talking
1: to the phone. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Did you document this journey on social media as you went along? And if you did, what were some of the feedbacks or the responses you got from people when they got to know you had done this journey?
0: I didn't put on social media. I mean, I put a few photographs on social media as I went along, but uh, some people do it every night. And uh, as I say, I really don't agree with that if you're away really travelling you should be where you are you know if you're India you should be in India you should be in India looking at India you shouldn't be thinking about sending pictures back to where you are um, but that's just my my opinion just the old fashioned starting to sound like my dad you know wasn't I like got in my day but I think you should focus in, on the, the here and now rather than trying to impress people at home so I didn't really bother with that but I have got photographs that took videos and I'll be putting a um something to go for people
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. People on the internet always have their own opinions and people call them netizens. So um, people on the net are citizens of the net and they always have their own opinions. And most of the time they may not agree with yours and the reason why you're doing it. But obviously, I always say that if whatever you're doing is for the right reasons and is making you happy, just go with it. And um, yeah, uh, we cannot be too much bothered about the negativity on the internet. finally wrap up, what will your final message be to our listeners?
0: Uh, apart from buying my book. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, as I say, let's just repeat, you know, live for today and get out. No matter what age you are, um, don't get tied tired. I'm an old retired person. I can't do anything. You can do what you did. You can do your legs and your arms and everything's working. You can do what you did when you were 21. Maybe a little bit slower, maybe a little bit different, but you can still do it. Get, get out and do it. Stop sitting around watching TV and get off your screens.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. If Chris, um, at age 65, was able to go on his bike ride around the world um, as an impressive thing to do and a challenge to himself, then I believe that we can all do that. Um, I also believe that whatever we put our minds to, if we are determined, dedicated and focused, we should be able to achieve it. As the purpose of the podcast with Sheila, if others have been able to do it, we can do it as well. So I would like to say a massive thank you, Chris, for coming on podcast with Sheila today
0: been a pleasure Sheila thanks
1: great. very much great if you've been listening in this is season two episode 89 of our podcast series where we've been bringing seasoned guests with inspiring live experiences and stories to share with us do not miss out on all these lovely experiences subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released whilst at it please drop us a rating we have a video presentation of this episode on our youtube channel just search for podcast with Sheila on youtube and you would find us our prayer for you this week is that you never give up When challenges arise, together we will make the world a better place. Until we meet again, have a brilliant week.